Good morning, I'm Pastor Gillespie from St. John Evangelical Lutheran Church and School, Sherman Center, Random Lake, Wisconsin. It's good to have you with us here today for the Congregation of Prayer, a guide for daily meditation and prayer around God's Word. It is Wednesday, January 4th, 2023. And we are going to look at the account of the Epiphany of Our Lord uh, from Matthew chapter 2. And... Um, this is actually a feast feast day that falls on Friday this year. It's on the 6th, but uh, we're going to recognize it today, both in our catechesis and tonight in our divine service. So um, hopefully that'll be beneficial to you. So uh, kind of like what we do on Saturday, where we read the readings in anticipation of uh, Sunday's service, we'll do the same here. We'll read the readings this morning in anticipation of the divine service tonight. I hope you can join us for that. All right, let's begin. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. I believe in God the Father Almighty, maker of heaven and earth, and in Jesus Christ, his only Son, our Lord, who was conceived by the Holy Spirit, born of the Virgin Mary, suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, died, and was buried. He descended into hell. The third day he rose again from the dead. He ascended into heaven and sits at the right hand of God the Father Almighty, From thence he will come to judge the living and the dead. I believe in the Holy Spirit, the Holy Christian Church, the communion of saints, the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body, and the life everlasting. Amen. Memory verse. Ask, and it will be given to you. Seek, and you will find. Knock, and it will be opened to you. For everyone who asks, receives. And he who seeks, finds. And to him who knocks, it will be opened. Matthew 7, verses 7 through 8. All right. Let's try to work on that throughout the week. Uh, say it as you go about your work today. That would be my suggestion for you, or maybe say it before you go to bed at night too, and uh, have it committed to memory then. That wonderful encouragement uh, to pray from Jesus. Good. Our psalm this week is Psalm 8, which was the psalm for Sunday. O Lord, our Lord, how majestic is your name in all the earth. You have set your glory above the heavens. Out of the mouth of babes and infants you have established strength because of your foes, to still the enemy and the avenger. When I look at your heavens, the work of your fingers, the moon and the stars which you have set in place, what is man that you are mindful of him, and the son of man that you care for him? Yet you have made him a little lower than the heavenly beings and crowned him with glory and honor. You have given him dominion over the works of your hands. You have put all things under his feet all sheep and oxen and also the beasts of the field, the birds of the heavens and the fish of the sea, whatever passes along the paths of the seas. O Lord, our Lord, how majestic is your name in all the earth. Glory be to the Father and to the Son and to the Holy Spirit, as it was in the beginning, is now and will be forever. Amen. Good. All right, seventh petition. But deliver us from evil. What does this mean? We pray in this petition, in summary, that our Father in heaven would rescue us from every evil of body and soul, possessions and reputation, and finally, when our last hour comes, give us a blessed end and graciously take us from this valley of sorrow to himself in heaven. Conclusion, for thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever and ever. Amen. What does this mean? This means that I should be certain that these petitions are pleasing to our Father in heaven and are heard by him. For he himself has commanded us to pray in this way and has promised to hear us. Amen, amen means yes, yes, it shall be so. All right. 
Uh, let's greet those of you uh, in the chat. We've got Vicky checking in, Chris, Defresh, Karen, Gus and Eileen, Don and Karen, and Michael. Welcome to all of you and to all, any others watching stealthily or later in the day. Oh, yes, there's mom and dad jumped in too. Um, and uh, those of you listening on, on podcast, however it is, uh, I personally am a podcast listener. That's my preference. Um, I don't need the visual, but uh, uh, also I like to listen at uh, more than one time speed. But so it goes. Mm, coffee. So our first reading for the Epiphany is from Numbers chapter 24. So he took up his oracle and said, The utterance of Balaam the son of Beor, and the utterance of the man whose eyes are opened, the utterance of him who hears the words of God, and has the knowledge of the Most High, who sees the vision of the Almighty, who falls down with eyes wide open. I see him, but not now. I behold him, but not near. A star shall come out of Jacob, a scepter shall rise out of Israel, and batter the brow of Moab and destroy all the sons of Tumult. And Edom shall be his possession, Seir also his enemies shall be a possession, while Israel does valiantly. Out of Jacob one shall have dominion, and destroy the remains of the city. All right, Balaam's fourth oracle, and there you are, uh, from the book of Numbers, so of the Torah, the books of Moses. Chris is on here too. Oh yeah, I already greeted Chris. Good. Uh, and then, well, we'll come back to actually to numbers in a minute, but let's look at our reading for catechesis, Matthew 2. Now, after Jesus was born in Bethlehem of Judea in the days of Herod the king, behold, wise men from the east came to Jerusalem saying, Where is he who has been born king of the Jews? For we have seen his star in the east and have come to worship him. When Herod the king heard this, he was troubled and all Jerusalem with him. And when he had gathered all the chief priests and scribes of the people together, he inquired of them where the Christ was to be born. So they said to him, In Bethlehem of Judea, for thus it is written by the prophet, But you, Bethlehem, in the land of Judah, are not the least among the rulers of Judah, for out of you shall come a ruler who will shepherd my people Israel. Then Herod, when he had secretly called the wise men, determined from them what time the star appeared. And he sent them to Bethlehem and said, Go and search diligently or carefully for the young child, and when you have found him, bring back word to me, that I may come and worship him also. When they heard the king, they departed, and behold, the star which they had seen in the east went before them, till it came and stood over where the young child was. When they saw the star, they rejoiced exceedingly with great joy. And when they had come into the house, they saw the young child with Mary his mother, and fell down and worshipped him. And when they had opened their treasures, they presented gifts to him, gold, frankincense, and myrrh. Then, being divinely warned in a dream that they should not return to Herod, they departed for their own country by another way. All right. So, uh, yesterday we were dealing with Luke chapter 2. Forty days they went, returned from Bethlehem to Nazareth. Um, it omitted, Luke omits um, the account here from Matthew. That doesn't mean it didn't happen, um, but he doesn't record it for us. It doesn't quite maybe fit within the narrative, the purpose of his writing. But it does for Matthew. Uh, we talked about this oh, probably last week, I think, with uh, Matthew's emphasis on the beginning with the genealogy of Jesus and the genealogy um, recorded from uh, Abraham, and then especially with emphasis on the kings. Right. So that, that's what's going on here, is that Matthew is very careful um, 
as you said in Matthew 1, verse 1, the genealogy of Jesus. Uh, how did he say it? Oh, I lost it now. It was in my head. The book of the genealogy of Jesus Christ, the son of David, the son of Abraham. Right. So that's been an emphasis all along, that the account of Jesus as is the is that of the true king of the Jews, the son of David, who came for all nations, as promised to Abraham, who also came from the other nations, right? I mean, Abraham came from Ur of the Chaldeans, which is Babylon, same place the Magi came from, likely. All right. Uh, So where was Herod the king? Not in Bethlehem. Jerusalem, right? Yeah, in Judea. Um, And the east, wise men from the east, it would be Persia or Babylon. So somewhere, could be Iraq, could be Iran, but modern day. All right. And uh, this is important for our understanding of the story. I know we've talked about this before, right? But who had been in captivity in the East? Babylon, then Persia. That would be the, the Southern tribes, right? Um, so that would be um, all of Judea, historically. So that's where the Jews had been taken into captivity. And so what does that mean? With them, as we learned from, say, Daniel, the book of Daniel, um, is that the scriptures went with them, namely the books of Moses in particular, right? Including the book of Numbers, which we just heard read, which means that they had studied, and being magi, which are uh, wise men or, um, what do you want to say? Diviners, I guess you might say. But how would they understand, you know, how would they have their astrology, which is wisdom from the stars, where would they gain that wisdom? Just by observing them? No. I mean, that's part of it. Uh, but they would need sacred word, right? A divine word. In this case, they had studied the Hebrew scriptures and had used them. Um, you know, they had probably a more open sense of saying that there's truth found in other traditions than their own, right? So um, they had studied and they knew the oracle of Balaam, uh, namely that a star shall rise out of Jacob, a scepter shall rise out of Israel. Mm-hmm. And so, of course, they come to find the star that had risen out of Jacob, which was metaphorical but connected to an actual astro- astro- astronomical um, observation, right? The king of the Jews. Going then to where the king should be found, Jerusalem, because that's all they knew, according to Balaam's oracle. All right. So again, these are astronomers, scholars, you might even say astrologers who are searching the scriptures then for wisdom. Uh, an interesting note, I, I don't know, I think I looked at, I, I started digging into this last year. Basically, until um, the later Enlightenment, even amongst um, Lutheran theologians, um, astrology was not foreign to them. I know we think of it as like, you know, your sign, your astrological sign, I don't know, Pisces or Scorpio or um, I forget what I am, whatever, I don't know these things. Um but there is throughout the the scriptures the use of astrological uh, phenomena coupled with God's word to guide his people. You know, not just the star here, uh, you might even think of the moon turning uh, or the sun turning to darkness and the moon turning to blood from from Joel, which is fulfilled at Christ's um, death, as St. Peter testifies in Acts, right? So there is an astrological um sign that had a word of God attached to it from the prophet. And then when that sign was given, then they remembered the word that was foretold. Got it? So that's what these, that's what astrology actually is. But apart from a word from God, um, it's kind of fruitless, right? Yeah. You have to make stuff up. And then it just becomes superstition. All right. Uh, They come to Jerusalem. Why is Herod disturbed? 
Well, of course, they came to worship the king of the Jews, not Herod. <laughs> we think he's kind of an imposter king anyway. Right? He doesn't. He's not certainly of the house of David, and uh, you know he's been set up by Rome. Um, notice in verse two, the tense of the verbs. We have seen and have come to worship him. So have seen or saw. Um, that's past tense, right? Past perfect. So they had seen the star in the east, but it doesn't. It, this is not suggesting that they had. It had constantly led them from the east. Now that will come later on in the next part of the story. But here, it's simply that they saw the sign, then they they went, trusting the word of God attached to that sign. Right? It seems like the star has actually disappeared until the events in Jerusalem. So they came to Jerusalem because the word of God had told them to come and find the scepter, the king um, of Israel. Right? And they assumed that king would be in Israel, in Jerusalem, the city of the king. I think that's fair enough. I don't know. That may seem a, a little speculative, but I, I think I think it's uh, well testified to in the, in the scripture itself. All right. How did Herod determine where Jesus was to be born? He gathered the chief priests and scribes and inquired of them. And they say, the chief priests and teachers of the law, according to Micah, it's in Bethlehem of Judea, right? And then the, there's the direct quote from Micah the prophet. Now, Micah was written after the Jews had returned from Babylon. Thus, the wise men would not have known this prophecy. So um, here, now they require an, another word from God, one that was given later that they didn't have. Uh, what two words does Micah use to describe Jesus? We have that word for scepter, or here it's ruler, right? But also shepherd, right? Now that, of course, is testimony towards David, who was also born in Bethlehem, of course, right? So ruler and shepherd. So to be the kings were considered shepherds. What is important uh, in particular about verse 7? All right, this this will come, will be necessary for another part of the narrative later on. Um, but secretly consulting with the wise men, uh, the exact time the star appeared is revealed to Herod. The exact time, all right? Later this use, information would be used to an attempt to kill Jesus, right? So he wants to determine from them when the star appears, and then later he will use that to determine um, his scattershot technique of just slaying all the infants, right? All right, verse, so they went to Bethlehem. They found it just as they said, or no, he said to go to Bethlehem. Look at verse nine. This is interesting, right? As they went on the way, now with the word from Micah, the star, the sign uh, reappeared. And now this time, right? So this is where, where you may have heard this, you know, in your Christmas pageants growing up or whatever, um, that it led them. It went before them. Okay? So now the star is leading them to Jesus with that word from Micah. Repeat the Micah statement. What, in Bethlehem of Judea? Oh, that he's a ruler and a shepherd? Not sure which, which statement you want me to repeat. Okay. Um, why do you think the star then appeared at this point? Again, right? This is different. Before they saw the star and then they had to look for a word from God. Now it's the inverse, right? The star, they have the word from God, Micah. And now the star reappears, this time to confirm the word uh, of the prophets that the wise men already believed because they're going to Bethlehem, right? So the star was effective as a sign only when it's joined to the word of God. This is true for all the signs that God attaches his word to. The word in the star had first led them to Jerusalem and then now to Bethlehem, right? But it's the word who does the work. Oh, when Micah wrote this, uh, wrote this. Uh, Micah's dates, what does the study Bible say? 
Micah, Micah wrote his prophecy. He's one of the minor prophets. Um, and he's back in Judea after the return from exile. So I want to say roughly, what is he, like 450 maybe BC? Does that sound right? Let's see here what the study Bible suggests. Uh, no, actually further back. I'm sorry, that's way too, way too late. 750 to 686, right? So um, he's in Judah. He's speaking to the remnant who's been gathered. Um, maybe even speaking from Bethlehem. I might suggest that as well. Uh, there's 13 biblical figures named Micah. Ooh, that's not helpful. All right, so the dating. Yeah, they're saying 750 to 686. All right, 686. So after the return. Okay, where were we? Yes, they saw the star, right? Uh, which means, well, wait a minute. Who put the star in heaven if it was the star that's leading them to where the child was? The work of, of the fingers of God, right? Yeah. So this is God himself doing this putting the star in the heavens, which means that actually it's the child himself who placed the star in the heavens. And one of my, um, I think he's four, he's like, Jesus is the star. Um, and he's not wrong. <laughs> so Jesus is in Bethlehem. He's the child, but Jesus is also the light that light leads them, right? Um, which is uh, one of those divine mysteries, isn't it? What reaction? Oh, I already said this, right? The reaction when they saw the star? They rejoiced exceedingly with great joy. That's like a superlative on top of uh, already a superlative, right? Great joy, and now it's exceedingly great. Rejoicing with rejoice with exceeding rejoicing. <laughs> That'd be another way to translate that. Uh, how many wise men come to the house? Nope, oh, you've heard that before. No, it doesn't say how many wise men came, but we know how many gifts were presented. Three gifts, right? So the key is the, key is the gifts. First thing they do, though, uh, well, well, I think I'm going to preach on this tonight. It's my plan anyway, is that they fall down and worship him, right? And only then do they present their gifts. First, faith, then gifts. Got it? So um, we have all sorts of prophecies being fulfilled here with the gifts, actually. So uh, one was Isaiah 60, which we heard yesterday, right? Um, but maybe I should repeat that again in case you weren't with us or you don't remember. Uh, a star shall, or behold, darkness shall cover the earth, deep darkness of people, but the Lord will arise up, uh, upon you. Uh, let's see. They will all gather together. They will come to you. Your sons shall come from afar. The wealth of the Gentiles shall come to you. A multitude of camels shall cover your land. The dromedaries of Midian and Apha, all those from Sheba shall come. They shall bring. Sheba is, Queen of Sheba came from Arabia, right? So the Arabians shall come. They shall bring gold and incense. Gold and incense, right? So we had it there. Frankincense and myrrh are both incenses. Um, but that's not the only prophetic word being fulfilled here. You might know the other one, which we'll actually pray. Uh, it's our psalm for next week, actually. Psalm 72, specifically these verses. The kings of Tarshish and the isles will present, bring presents. The kings of Sheba and Seba will offer gifts. Yes, all kings shall come or shall fall down before him. All nations shall serve him. Right? Yeah. Uh, Chris says, boy, I bet Herod was really mad at the wise men for not returning. Yeah, uh, we'll see that tomorrow. And uh, yeah. So Psalm 72, 
about the kings coming to uh, fall down and worship him, that's actually not written by David, but it was written by Solomon, right? So we already see that Solomon even recognizes that he's not the eternal son promised to David. So he, so it's Solomon, the son of David, who prophesies the coming of the son of David, who would be recognized by the kings of the earth as Solomon was, right? Remember the queen of Sheba came to him, but ultimately all kings coming before him. All right. The wise men know not to return to Herod. How? Said there quite specifically, divinely warned, warned by God in a dream, right? And to go back, um, one, to maybe give Jesus a little bit of uh, a head start because Herod's going to come after him, but also the, um, you know, as this, as this happens, if you, you have to kill the messenger too, <laughs> can't just kill the message, but you have to kill the messengers as well, right? No one can know about what, what Herod is about to do, but we'll you'll have to wait for that till tomorrow. So Matthew records the birth of the true king of the Jews who would be revealed in his death at the cross. Yet here, the eyes of faith see him in the child of Bethlehem. The child had not yet come for Israel, or had not come for Israel alone, but for all the nations of the earth, that he might make them children of his father. All right, and you can see that in Matthew's genealogy, where he names um, mothers that come from other nations, in particular. Right. So, uh, who would those be? Well, Abraham comes from another other nation, of course, and then um, Tamar and Ruth and Rahab, right, and um, Bathsheba as well, Hittite. So he comes for all nations of the earth. And of course, he will send his disciples out to preach to all nations, Matthew 28. The three gifts identify him as as the one anointed to be prophet, priest, and king of Israel. You've heard that before. Gold is the mark of kings and foreshadows the kingdom of heaven that includes the nations of the earth. Frankincense is the mark of a priestly sacrifice and foreshadows his atoning sacrifice at the cross. Israelites were forbidden to make incense to enjoy its smell and would be cut off from doing so. But here the outcast nations come bringing frankincense to be reunited. Okay? So the prescription of incense, frankincense being used for divine worship is in Exodus 30. Myrrh uh, is the mark of the prophets of Israel who were anointed to proclaim the word of God to the nations and foreshadows his resurrection. So the uh, fragrant oil, um, the expensive fragrant oil that's uh, in the alabaster flask is probably um, the anointing oil that would be used for a prophet that would be scented with myrrh. In Luke, the child wrapped in swaddling clothes is the sign to which the word of promise is attached. Here, the sign is the star that has the Old Testament word of promise attached. It is the word that is the power, even as in baptism and the supper, the word is the power that creates and strengthens faith. So the star only reappeared after the word had been revealed from Micah. Good. All right, let's sing some of the hymn.
brightness of our Father's face. O Son who shared the Father's might before the world knew day or night. Alleluia. O Jesus, fairly light of light, our constant star and sense deep night, now hear the prayers your people pray through all the world this holy day. save our fallen race, you put our human vesture on, and came to us as Mary's son, Alleluia. All right, what a lovely hymn. Okay, let us pray. Lord God, You made your beloved Son our Savior subject to the law and caused him to shed his blood on our behalf. Grant us the true circumcision of the Spirit that our hearts may be made pure from all sins. Through Jesus Christ, our Lord, who lives and reigns with you in the Holy Spirit, one God, now and forever. Amen. Father in heaven, rescue us from every evil of body and soul, possessions and reputation. And finally, when our last hour comes, give us a blessed end and graciously take us from this valley of sorrow to yourself in heaven. Through Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen. We pray today for marriage and family, that husbands and wives, parents and children, live in ordered harmony according to the Word of God. For parents who must rear their children alone, for our communities and neighborhoods. We also pray today in Thanksgiving with Blair, who celebrates her birthday. We pray for the households of our church, especially Michael, Terry, Jesse and Lisa, Scarlett, Timothy and Amber, and Jeffrey. Pray for our catechumens, Christian, Wyatt, Aaliyah, Lydia, Charlie, Kaylee, and Kimberly. We pray for those who are ill, receiving treatment, or recovering, especially Marcella, Joe, Kelsey, Walt, Christopher, Dan, Brad, and Ron, Marla, Betty, Pat, Merlin, Heidi, and Dick, our homebound, Ed, Paul, and Pauline, the missions and mercy work of the church, especially um, our district's urban ministry. For all this, let us pray to the Lord. Lord, have mercy. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever and ever. Amen. I thank you, my heavenly Father, through Jesus Christ, your dear Son, that you have kept me this night from all harm and danger, and I pray that you would keep me this day also from sin and every evil, that all my doings and life may please you. For into your hands I commend myself, my body, and soul, and all things. Let your holy angel be with me, that the evil foe may have no power over me. Amen. Let us bless the Lord. Thanks be to God. The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, and the love of God, and the communion of the Holy Spirit be with you all. Amen. All right, it's been a joy to have you with us here today for the Congregation of Prayer guide for daily meditation prayer around God's words, prepared for our congregation, but uh, glad to have all of you join us. Those of you within or without, uh, happy to provide that service to you. Uh, Chris asks, I know what Herod did to the bay, but I don't know how 
Um, did he kill the wise men too? Well, he didn't kill the wise men because God warned them to flee by another route, right? So their their lives were spared just as Jesus was as well by being warned in a dream, right? So there's your answer. Uh, today, again, we will have a catechesis with the youth at 5.30. You're welcome to join us for that. Is that right? Yeah, 5.30. And, uh, and then divine service is at 7 p.m., and again, we'll be celebrating the Feast of the Epiphany tonight. Uh, we do have an organist. Ethan's still in town. It doesn't go back until this weekend. So uh, we actually have an organist on Sunday too, somebody we haven't had before. Um, so what a joy. Uh, at least once a month, she said she can play. So that's great. And we'll take advantage of that, of course. I'd rather have somebody playing than have to push some buttons. All right. And have pre-recorded music. So God be with you all. Uh, I hope to see you tonight for divine service as we celebrate the Epiphany. Um, otherwise, we'll see you again in the morning. God be with you. We thank you for listening to this podcast from St. John Evangelical Lutheran Church, Sherman Center in Random Lake, Wisconsin. If this podcast is of benefit to you, please consider supporting the work of St. John by visiting stjohnrandomlake.org. That's stjohnrandomlake.org slash support and give today.